One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Sit back and enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanning. This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner. Jonathan strikes again. She's on a hat-trick. She comes at Molyneux. Catch is taken by Perry. The Australian women's cricket team win their fifth T20 World Cup title in front of a magical crowd at the MCG. Welcome back to The Scoop. We are the cricket podcast dedicated to the women's game. Now we're coming to you after probably the best weekend of the tournament so far. The ladder is starting to take shape and safe to say we're absolutely pumped to see how the next couple of weeks pan out. First things first, LJ, what was your favourite moment from the weekend? There was so much to choose from. It was such a good weekend of cricket. But I think for me, it was watching a 15-year-old in Amy Smith, the young leg spinner, come out and take some enormous wickets. She's gotten out Ashley Gardner, Rachel Haynes. She just seems full of confidence. And it's just really cool seeing a kid like that coming into the league and playing so well. How about you, Em? Firstly, I have to say I agree with the Amy Smith call, seeing the the big smile with the braces just really tops it off for me. Um, But my favourite moment of the weekend had to be Sophie Devine's magnificent 100 against the Sydney Sixers, no doubt. Um, So that was just amazing to see Sophie Devine come out and make a massive statement and, yeah, really get the Scorchers back on track and ready for what should be a good finish to the season. Now, there's plenty of talking points to cover off after another awesome weekend of cricket. But firstly, uh, unfortunate news with Maitland Brown from the Renegades being ruled out of the rest of the tournament with a hamstring injury. Yeah, this is a really um, one that's a real shame to hear. She tore her hamstring um, in an instant while batting. I think she was out, but she also did the splits and that's ruled her out the whole tournament, which is so disappointing after she was bowling with serious heat. Um, just the weekend prior. Yeah, it's a real shame to see Maitland and we'll definitely miss seeing her out on the park. But in better news, team of the tournament is back and we've got one of the chief selectors right here, LJ. What's the deal? Who's on the panel and how's it all going to work this year? Yep. So for a second year, the official WBBL team of the tournament is back. Um, I am on the selection panel, um, which I don't necessarily feel worthy of compared to the other names on it. Uh, we've got Mel Jones, Lisa Stalaker and Australian Chief Selector, Sean Flegler. So the chat's already started. We've got a WhatsApp group going and it's going to be um, yeah, very interesting to see who makes the cut. Awesome. And that should all be coming out around finals week, which will make for some very exciting talking points. And now onto the cricket, the Melbourne Stars. So they've started their tournament. They're undefeated. Aside from a few washouts, it's been an amazing start to their 
to their season. They've had four wins in a row and yet two of them more impressive wins um, in the season this weekend against the Scorchers and the Heat. And it seems like things are really clicking for them. Yeah, especially that Lanning-Vellani partnership. We know those two are great mates and it seems like it's working for them on the field as well. Um, they're on top of the ladder, four wins in a row, and Meg reckons they haven't even got going yet. So it's going to be super exciting to see how that pans out. Yeah, watch out for the stars. And another one that we probably haven't sort of spoken about as much, but the Adelaide Strikers are possibly turning out to be the, the surprise package of this season. Uh, we've seen some outstanding fielding, particularly that ridiculous catch with Talia McGrath managing to collect it off Maddie Penner's fingertips. So, we, yeah, we saw two wins from the Strikers this weekend, which was a pretty good hit out for them. Yeah, and they're getting it done with Susie Bates injured, which is even more impressive um, to see. Everyone was wondering who would step up and score the runs after Sophie Devine left and with Susie injured. And it seems the answer is they're getting lots of contributions. Laura Wolfart has been phenomenal up there for them. Stefani Taylor dominated at the weekend and Katie Mack scored a 50. So it's really good signs for the strikers. And by all accounts, Susie is back batting in the net. So hopefully her return is not too far off. Oh, fingers crossed. Now onto another Kiwi. We saw Sophie Devine come out and make a huge statement with the Perth Scorchers. So there'd been obviously been so much talk about Sophie's move to the Scorchers and it hadn't really come off for her up until Sunday afternoon against the Sydney Sixers. She came out and put on an absolute show at Hurstville Oval, scoring a 68 ball 100. Some of the shots she was hitting were just ridiculous, especially when you consider what the makeup of that, that Sixers bowling attack it was pretty good viewing, wasn't it, LJ? Yeah, it absolutely was. Um, And just great to see Sophie showing what she can do in orange. And she's launched her challenge for the year too. She's had people throwing backwards um, hoops in the basketball, which is very cool. Uh, But one of the sides perhaps not going so well is the Brisbane Heat. Um, After that first up win over the Scorchers, they've yet to record a second win. Um, But there were some good signs for them yesterday, weren't there, Em? Yeah, it was great to see Grace Harris come out and score an unbeaten 81, but it wasn't quite enough. But the Renegades, the Melbourne Renegades, another side who have been battling a little bit at the start of this tournament, it was good to see them finally get a win. They stole a final over victory against the Thunder, thanks to a pretty impressive final over from Rosemary Mayer. So we've just ticked over the halfway point of the home and away season. All teams have played seven matches now, but the games are going to come thick and fast. We've got midweek action again this week. And then from Saturday, every team will play six games in the space of nine days to finish the the regular season. So it's going to be absolutely epic. We're joined here on the Scoop podcast today by Ash Gardner. Ash, thank you so much for coming on. Firstly, tell us a little bit about how you're finding life in the WBBL Village so far. Uh, the WBBL Village has actually been pretty good, to be honest. Um, we've got everything we need here. There's plenty plenty of activities to do. Um, there's always food available, which is always great for people like me who are always hungry. But, um, yeah, we've been really busy with training and games, so um, it's nice just to, I guess, relax when you can as well. Nice. And what's the energy like on the Sixers floor? What have you guys been doing to keep yourselves entertained, I guess? Uh, energy levels are pretty good. Um 
we probably don't hang out that much as a group outside of cricket or outside of training and games because we obviously spend so much time doing that together. So it's nice to, I guess, be in the village where there's other people um, around. It is a little bit weird in saying that though because you're hanging out with people that you're about to verse and it's like, I, I wouldn't normally be doing this. But um, it's just been cool just to, I guess, hang out with um, mates outside of the Sixers team as well. Yeah, and what's your approach? Are you someone who, who loves being surrounded by people or are you more likely to, to retreat a bit? Uh, a bit of both, I think. Um, I love being around people, but also I get sick of it as well. So um, I guess that's nice to, to have your own room, to have that escape. But um, I don't know, I, I get FOMO, so I always feel like I'm missing out on something. So I like being in and around what um, everyone else is doing. I think I'm getting a bit of FOMO too when I'm in my room. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and who are your mates and the other teams you like hanging out with? Uh, Nicola Carey? Yeah, yeah she's one. Um, I've been hanging out with her a little bit. Um, Belinda Vakariwa, um, she obviously I, I played a lot of underage crew with her, so I've been mates with her for a while now because um, I obviously don't get to see her outside of, I guess, this um, or Aussie tours. So, uh, yeah, it's been nice just to catch up with people that you don't normally hang out with. And obviously we're um, celebrating NAIDOC week now. It's pretty cool that it's falling within WBBL season and it's giving us a chance to celebrate Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander culture. What does that mean to you as an Aboriginal woman? Yeah, it's awesome. And like you said, we don't normally get to do this. It's normally through our winter. So um, because of COVID, obviously it got changed this year to to November. And um, yeah, it's been awesome to be able to play cricket through it and um, just to, I guess, see the support that cricket has behind it and um, in showcasing the beautiful culture. And we saw at the start of the season, all the captains came together and sort of signalled their proactive intent to make a stand against racism. Does that sort of make you feel pr- proud that the WBBL players and captains are all coming together to show their genuine intent? Absolutely. And I think it's so important with, um, I guess, the platform that us as sports people have, and especially um, being female sports people, where there is a little bit of limelight um, within cricket in Australia. And um, I guess there's no better way to, to do that and it's to, to stand up against those things and um, to have all captains on board and most players on board as well is um, yeah pretty powerful. Yeah. And how important is it that this is happening all through the season too? It's not just a one-off statement. Well, I think that's, I guess, the most important thing is it's not one of those tokenistic things where it's just happening um, once, like you said. And that's, I guess, the best thing is um, it's happening often. And um, I guess it's showing the communities that, yeah, we are doing it um, authentically and it's not something that we're doing just because it seems like it's the right thing to do. Um, So it's awesome to have um, people like that on board. Is there a lot of education going on behind the scenes too? Uh, There is a little bit. Um, We've been fortunate enough to have um, a cultural session with Courtney Hagen, which is um, one of the people that works for Cricket Australia, um, dealing, I guess, with the Aboriginal side of things through cricket, um, Indigenous issues, um, more to the fact. So we had a a session with her, um, every team has, and it was quite raw. like myself listening to to all those details um things that I obviously knew uh about the past and about what's happening currently in Indigenous culture um yeah it was pretty eye-opening for people that probably have never heard about those facts before or um just weren't aware so that was uh quite interesting but it's good I guess to to keep that conversation going and I think that's the most important thing is um it's created a conversation and people are talking about it now um which is I think really exciting going forward. 
Definitely. And on the topic of that education, we saw yeah, the Aussie team have a session with your auntie, Doris. Are you able to tell us a little bit about how that went down and how important you think the team found it? Yeah, that was awesome. Um, it was an honour to, I guess, be told or be asked um, if, if I could run something like that. And um, I thought, what better person than to um, hit up my auntie Doris. Um, she's f- full of knowledge um, about culture and just about life in general. And uh, yeah, I think well, the feedback that I got about that session was really um, positive and people got a lot out of it. And just, just to listen to, I think, someone's personal story and um, what they had to go through in their life and I guess what they're still going through now. And um, yeah, I was learning as well as everyone else um, through that session. And it was just, yeah, nice to nice to see her as well. And we've seen some uh, very impressive painted shoes cropping up on Instagram. Are you able to tell us a little bit about how that popped up? Yeah, it was um, obviously when I found out that NAD- that NADOC week would be um, while we're in the hub. Um, I think I mentioned it when we're up in Brizzy to Maitland Brown and I think Erin Burns. Um, and I said, oh, like, this would be a pretty cool mm. idea. Um, and they jumped on board straight away. They said, yes, like, can we get our shoes done? Um and then I got into the hub, forgot my Posca pens, which is like the paint pens that you use. So I was just really unorganised. So I had to buy some to um, that I got ordered in. And, yeah, I started with Maitland's um, and those turned out pretty cool. And then I did my own. And then um, a couple of other people wanted to jump on board. And I think it's just a really cool symbol, um, yeah, just to showcase the culture and um, to have people jump on board has been really cool. Must be busy just painting in your spare time. (laughs) I have been really busy. It's almost felt like I've had like an assignment due that I've been needing to do because I've been not rushing it. but People um, are waiting. Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, I did about seven pairs of shoes within, I don't know, four or five days. Um, But in saying that, like the shoes probably only took, I don't know, maybe like an hour to an hour and a half. It's just trying to think about what designs I actually wanted to put on it, which takes the longest sometimes. Do you feel like you're sort of being able to express your creativity more and you're getting better at the painting? Like some of the artwork you've been doing is outstanding. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I have definitely gotten better since I, since when I started. Um, I look back at not saying that they were bad, but I've definitely improved. But it's like, I guess, all hobbies that you the more you do it, the better you get. Um, and yeah, I've just really enjoyed it because it's so different to obviously what I do in my normal life. And um, it's pretty cool, I guess, to, to see the people's reactions that I'm doing them for. And I think that's what I get most enjoyment out of. Yeah, you're still getting a lot of people um, commissioning pieces from you. <laughs> yeah, I still, um, after Channel 7 did that little piece um, about the artworks, I had heaps of people. Michael Slater was asking me while I was um, talking to the commentators. Um, <laughs> And he was like genuine about it, but I obviously haven't heard from him. So like, <laughs> I'm not going to rush to that. But um, Maitland Brown actually has asked um, her her boyfriend's family wanted um, me to do a really big piece. Um, so, yeah, that's, I think, something maybe in the new year um, when I've got a bit more time to, to uh, obviously put in a lot of thought into. Um, so that's something to look forward to, I guess. Yeah, and do you feel you've learned a lot while... Um embracing your this new hobby yeah absolutely um and yeah like I touched on before it's obviously really different to what I normally do and um from a cultural perspective I know I've I've spoken briefly to to other Aboriginal artists and they've um 
they've kind of said, look, it's it's probably always been there, but it's something that you've never really tapped into. And um, to hear that, like, it's, yeah, it's pretty cool. And um, it's been an awesome hobby, hopefully, that I can obviously carry on for years to come. Maybe when I finish cricket, it, it, it could be the path that I go down, but um, hopefully that's a long way away. <laughs> and I know the, um, the Sixers aren't wearing an Indigenous kit this year, but they will have one next year. And it was the artwork designed by a relative of yours? Yeah, my um, cousin did it, Alan, which is actually Doris's son. Um, he was probably the most reliable person that could, um, I guess, get it turned around pretty quickly because there was a short time frame to do it. And um, yeah, he came up with a really nice design, um, the rainbow serpent going through the middle um, or the Mundagara in um, the Murawari language. Um, so yeah, that, that was really cool to, I guess, have that family connection to, to something that I'll be wearing next year. And um, yeah, it's really exciting. Very cool. And you've become a real leader in this space. There's now five Indigenous players in the Big Bash or the Women's Big Bash this year. Is being a leader in that sense something you've aspired to do? Um, probably not, but I feel like um, it kind of happens naturally, I guess. But now that I've got that platform, um, I do want to help those younger players and um, hopefully one day I get another opportunity to go back up to Alice Springs where the National Indigenous Championships are to... Um, yeah, just be, I guess, a role model or just a figure that people can come and talk to or um, ask questions. And it's it's definitely something that I would love to do. And um, because realistically, that's the pathway for those for those um, young girls and boys to, to go through to hopefully play in elite cricket. Um, so that's, yeah, something that's really exciting. It's awesome to see five players here now. Um, there was only me, myself and I for, for quite a long time. So, um, yeah, it's just really exciting to have um, four other girls here. Good to see Ella Hayward making her debut, debut for the Renegades yesterday. Yeah, it's awesome. And um, what better way to, to do that and uh, to, I guess, the start of NAIDOC week as well. Um, yeah, it's really cool and it's exciting to see young players coming through. For sure. And can you recall, like, was there a particular moment or time in your life where something clicked for you that you wanted to start being really proactive in this space and did, like, what sort of sparked the passion? Um, I can't really think of one, I guess, moment, but... I guess it probably just comes back to not knowing enough. Um, and I obviously want to be confident enough to educate other people, but um, I guess right now I probably don't know enough to be confident about that. And um, that's definitely been something that probably over the last 12 months, I guess, um, talking to my mum and she's obviously been someone that I could, could lean on in that regard as well to because she's still learning as well. And um yeah, the more that she learns, the more that I can learn as well, because I can talk to her about certain things. So I guess the past 12 months, it's probably been um, something that I've tried to be really proactive in. And there's still um, a lot more to learn, which is really exciting as well. And yeah, sitting here now, obviously a very proud Indigenous woman. Was there ever a time growing up through your teenage years or anything that you sort of struggled to grasp your identity? No, I don't think so. I've um, Mum told me and my brother from a very young age um, about our culture and um, it's something that I've always loved. I know growing up I was always so proud to say um, I'm Aboriginal and it's, I think, something that people shouldn't shy away from because it's such a beautiful culture and, um, yeah, it's something that I'm really proud of. Awesome. And the Ashley Gardner Foundation, are you able to tell us a little bit about that and how that came about? <laughs> yeah, uh, the Ashley Gardner Foundation... Um, I guess it's been in the pipelines for probably 12 months now um, and it was just a thought at the start, yeah, like I said, 12 months ago and I was like, oh, this would be like a really cool thing to do. Um, 
but I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do in it. And um, it happened to be at the start of COVID, I was doing an online business course um, who was organised or it was organised through um, the PDM for Cricket New South Wales. And she was actually doing the course as well. And one of the questions was like, oh, have you ever thought about starting a business? And I was like, oh, no, like I haven't thought about starting a business, but I thought about starting a foundation. And she's like, well, why haven't you? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, That's a great question. But there's probably been, been no one to, I guess, help me. Like I've never yeah, started a business or anything like that. So I kind of didn't know how to go about it. Um, so she was a big driver. She's like, well, come on, like, let's try and um, do something here. And I'm like, all right, great. So we um, had a couple of meetings with one of her friends who's had some really successful businesses to, I guess, talk out um, – the values, um, my personal values, and then I guess implementing them into the foundation. So I guess they align um, and what I want to achieve. And um, to actually talk about the foundation, uh, it's basically my aim is to, um, the big dream is to increase um, the percentage of Aboriginal kids finishing school um, because those rates are really low and um, I think education is the most important thing for, for young kids to have. I know sport's great, which is obviously what I do and I probably didn't pay enough attention in school myself, but um, I'm pretty fortunate where I am at the moment. But uh, yeah, so the foundation will be implementing program, um, like a breakfast club program, um, because I think the most important thing is for those kids to have healthy food to start their day so they can actually concentrate in class. Um, because a lot of those kids come from country areas, which is where I'll be targeting um, regional New South Wales to start. Um, they might have rough home life or don't go to school with food. So I think that's the most important thing. And then also giving them the chance to, um, they'll be provided with like a, a kit, like a sporting kit um, to have access to unstructured play for about 40 minutes before school, because I thought that was really important because kids are always told what to do. Um, and I'm like, yeah. if you can have unstructured play, like I bet those kids will have heaps of fun. Like, But then also relating it to my art as well, giving them the opportunity to um, colour in or paint or whatever, um, because obviously not all kids are sporty. So making sure that um, the creative kids or the less sporty kids still have an opportunity to, to express themselves um, in some way. So I think they're, the, I guess, the key messages... Um, about the foundation and it's realistically it's just about trying to empower the community and um trying to i guess have positive mindsets for those kids and um, start a trend hopefully working through generations to hopefully one day yeah increase that number of kids finishing school that's awesome and how big do you see it getting and how can people support it uh, i would love for it to be nationwide one day um that's obviously the goal and for now we want to keep it pretty small um, to make sure that we do it right and, and we do it um, like perfectly so realistically within the next um, two years I'll probably be targeting like three three to six schools um, in regional New South Wales and yeah it's it's pretty cool um, and you can jump on um, my <laughs> website Ash, it's ashgfoundation.com um, and I guess like the hardest thing uh, starting a foundation is is the funding um, and I guess that's something that I'm going to need help in um, doing is is the financial side of things to actually being able to implement the program and being able to employ people as well to I guess to run the foundation while I'm playing cricket it's going to be pretty tough to to try and do both so um, yeah they're probably the well that is the hardest thing realistically trying to start this foundation. 
yeah, so hopefully people can jump on and, and throw their support behind it. Absolutely. We'll put the link everywhere. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll share it far and wide. And just to touch on a bit of cricket stuff, um, plenty on obviously going on in your life outside of cricket, but how do you um, how are you finding that balance at the moment between your sport and, and these other stuff that's going on? Um, I think it's a good balance, to be honest. Obviously, you don't want to just have cricket. I think that's some people fall into that trap where it's you've just got sport, um, and I don't want that to, to be the case. You obviously... Um, my job is to play cricket, so a lot of my thinking and a lot of my energy goes into cricket. So it's it's good to have things outside to to take the focus away, um, especially when you're not having the greatest of days or um, it's been a crappy game or whatever it is. Um, just making sure that you've got other things to, I guess, turn your focus to, and um, but being able to switch back to cricket um, when the time's right as well is really important. Do you feel like having other ways to direct your energy, say your foundation or whatever else, do you think that maybe helps your cricket if you've got other avenues that you can go down? Yeah, potentially. Um, but in saying that, like I'm a very relaxed person, so it's probably I, I probably need to think about cricket more than probably what I do. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, like it's obviously it's good to, to focus on something else rather than just cricket because you can get really caught up in it sometimes, yeah. especially, like I said, if you're on a rough trot. Um, yeah. Like you cricket, it's just it's more mental than anything else, and um, yeah, you can drive yourself mental if you're um, just thinking about it constantly. So yeah, just yeah. trying to I guess think of other things to do is um, yeah really important. Sure. And if we think back to that series against New Zealand, all the talk was about you and your increased maturity. Is that something that resonates with you? Like, do you feel more mature? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, I had a lot of maturing to do I think like through my late teen years um and you could probably ask every coach that and they would have 100% agreed um but in saying that I think having these other things has matured me as well because I've had to put my focus um on on those as well but I think that's probably matured my cricket as well a little bit um I know I mean that's a it's a compliment to to say that I've matured um but I guess I just look back probably at that innings that I played against New Zealand, that 60, I think Ashley probably three years ago would have thrown that away and yeah. um, wouldn't have given the team the opportunity to, to win that game. And ideally that's what I try and do every time I go out on the field is to is to win for my team. Um, personal accolades are great, but you do it for your teammates. And, um, yeah, I think that's probably one of my most mature innings I've ever played. For sure. And you first got your Aussie cap when you were 19. Looking back from now till then, what do you think has been the biggest shift in your approach since then? Um, probably my attitude. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I obviously touched on, I was pretty immature back then. Um, and I guess once I kind of got into the Aussie team for the first time, that's when I realised that talent was only going to, only going to get me so far and um, you're going to actually have to hard, work hard to, to keep your spot. And, um I've been pretty fortunate to, to keep my spot there for now and um, there's obviously been a lot of hard work put into it to, to stay there, but um, I think that's probably the thing that's changed the most. Sure. And on to the Sydney Sixers. You had a pretty pretty decent start to the tournament. How, how do you think the to- rest of the tournament's looking for you guys? Yeah, we have had a pretty good start. Um, obviously, yesterday wasn't great, but um, other than that, like, there's... I mean, we still ended up making about 150, so if that's going to be one of our worst games, I think we'll take that. But, um, yeah, there's plenty of things to like. There's so many 
good young quicks coming through, um, which is really exciting to see that the next crop is um, really good and we're very thankful that they're on our side at the moment. Um, but I think that's the most like the most exciting thing is just seeing those young players develop and, um, yeah, take, I guess, control of what they want to do and all the practice that they've had um, through the pre-season is being um, shown, which is really exciting. Yeah, and you've got a couple of new faces in the side this year or a returned face with Andreeks and Lisa Griffith has come across. How have they settled in? Yeah, it's great having Ange back. Um, she's obviously one of my good mates and um, it's awesome to see her back. Obviously, she had a year off with um, her Achilles injury and um, it's just been awesome for her to be back out there and she's just really enjoying it and loving the opportunity that she's got to come back. And it's also awesome to see LG jump across from the other Sydney team. Um, I think she really loves this environment. Uh, she gets to work with Ben Sawyer being a pace bowling coach, so I think she's really... Re- relishing in that as well so um it's exciting to i guess to see the people that we have in our sixes side at the moment and some of the other clubs have had big name players shift you guys are just super solid there's a lot of loyalty there what do you think behind that (laughs) i just think people just love the club um i think it's run really well um obviously jody hawkins um our general manager is she's a straight shooter but she's she's there for the players and I think that's so important is for the people high up to to really love their players and um, Jodes definitely does and I just think it's a great environment to be around Um, obviously having Ben Sawyer as a coach as well um, one of the most relaxed blokes I know Um, and we've just had some of the best um, support staff around us as well it's obviously a little bit different this year with the the limited numbers but um, I know in the past Anthony Clark has been on board and he's one of my favourite humans ever, both on and off the field. He's an absolute legend. So it's it's people like that that people, I guess, draw back to the sixes and just the environment that's been created is really cool. A couple of young guns thriving as well. Stella Campbell, Hayley Silverholmes, managing to balance their, balance their HSC as well as elite cricket. What's it been like watching them dominate on the field and try and manage to do their exams as well? Yeah, look, I don't know how Stella did it, to be honest with you. Like, when I look back when I was yeah. in year 12... <laughs> I would not have been able to do that. Like she did very well and I think she did well in her exams as well, which is really cool. Um, and, yeah, she's been bowling really well for us, which is exciting. Um, she's not much fun to face in the nets, I must admit, because um, she's very tall and she's only going to get quicker. So um, I'm a bit nervous about the next probably five years or longer that I'll be playing with her. Um, but, yeah, it's just awesome to see those girls come through and um, Hales as well, who's been here for a couple of seasons now. She's really... Um, She's cemented her spot in our side, which is really exciting for her. So hopefully, um, yeah, she can have a really good back end to the season. Yeah, I guess across the board, if you look at like some of these young guns, like Darcy Brown, for example, they're so young, but like they're just managing to keep everything un- un- in balance. Like, what is? Do you sort of look back and think, wow, like, this is kind of testament to the professionalism of the game? Absolutely. Um, and the game has grown so much. Like I think back to to when I was their age. Um, when I first got my contract, I was, the training hours were so different. I was training twice a week for two hours a day, like from six to eight, like, so it's just completely different. And that's, it's awesome to see those girls given the opportunity to almost be full-time athletes while still at school. Um, and yeah, I know that they're, they feel really fortunate to be in that position as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's awesome to, to see those young players growing and it's going to be really exciting to see where they, where they can get in the next, yeah, two to five years. How do you reckon 16-year-old Ash Gardner would have gone in a WBBL village? Oh, I'd hate to know. I, yeah. <laughs> I actually don't know. She, yeah, 
probably would have lost it by now, to be honest. <laughs> Ash, thank you so much for coming on the Scoop podcast. We wish you all the very best for all the great work you're doing with NADOC Week and your foundation, as well as the WBBL. Thank you very much for having me. We are joined, as always, by our resident expert, ABC commentator, Kristen Beams. Beamsy, we're getting to the business end of the competition three weeks to go and the, the ladder is starting to take some shape. What was your favourite moment of the weekend just past? Uh, what I really liked about the weekend was that some of our underdog teams got themselves up. But I think they've copped some criticism early, some of these teams, the Renegades, the Hurricanes, and we saw both teams get up and get up against pretty good opposition as well at times. So I think seeing those games is probably my favourite part because I you don't want to get to this part of the tournament and have people going, oh, we know what the top four is going to be and we know who's going to be in the bottom four. So it's just shifted a little bit for me and I'm excited about what's to follow. On that, Beamsy, is there a team that has surprised you so far with how they're travelling, either because they're going better than you thought they might or, or they're not going so well? Probably the Adelaide Strikers. I think Susie Bates is a massive out for, for that team, but I think they've been able to find a way and I think that's been really important for them so far. And I think Wolvart in particular has been playing a, a great hand, as has Darcy Brown. So they've probably been the surprise packet. And I think if Susie Bates can get, get herself back and, and playing in this tournament, they could go a long way to being a top 14. Definitely. And on the topic of underdogs, 15-year-old Amy Smith was absolutely electric for the Hobart Hurricanes over the weekend. Saw her picking up a few massive wickets. As a fellow leggy yourself, what do you like about the way she bowls? And have you, you've been doing a bit of work with her down in Tassie, is that right? Yeah, I've been really lucky and I've worked with her simply for the fact that she's still a school kid. So she needed someone to work with her outside of school. So I sort of got the nod from, from the coach, Sally Ann Briggs. So she works with her from a batting point of view and I've, I've been fortunate enough to work with her from a bowling point of view. And I think there's a lot to like about her. Um, there's no doubt she can bowl stump to stump and, and those leg breaks are quick. And I think that really helps you in short format cricket. She's got a little wrong and I'm not sure she's used it too much yet, but she's got some other little tricks there. And I think as time develops and as she grows and, and gets a little bit older, I think that leg spin and that side spin will, will really start to complement what she can do. But I think at the moment, I mean, it's incredible to think that a 15-year-old on the biggest stage can just show up and, and do a job. And I think she's got a really nice sort of confidence and about the way she goes about it and something I probably wished I had as a 15-year-old. Yeah, she's been super impressive. And um, someone else who impressed at the weekend was Sophie Devine, who made a huge statement with her century leading the Scorchers to a big win. Do you think this can spark something for the Scorchers after a bit of a slow start? I really hope that it does. And I think she played with a lot more freedom, Sophie Devine, than what we've seen so far. And we talk about the importance of early wickets when, you take, when you're talking about the Scorchers. And when teams have got early wickets, they really have struggled. So I think for her to just sort of break the shackles, take the handbrake off and, and just go after the bowling. And by the way, some really, really good bowling. Um, you know, the Sixers probably have one of the best attacks going around, if not the best. So to do it in that game, I think she really stood up as a leader and it really sets the, the standard and, and hopefully really changes things for, for the Scorchers because everyone was predicting they were going to be in the top four. Another opening partnership that has been turning heads is the Meg Lanning and Elise Villani combination at the top of the stars order. We see them out there smiling and laughing together, all the while striking the ball beautifully. Um, seems like they've got a really nice balance in that side and, yeah, a real sense of belief in the team as well. Yeah, and to think that they've actually sort of played at different t teams, the same team at different times and, 
they're such a nice combination. I think they really complement each other really well. And you sort of Meg's that calming voice out there, whereas, you know, Elise is really just taking the game on and they played so much cricket together. And yeah, two of my favorite human beings. It's probably not a surprise to me that they've really just clicked um, and they've been able to take it on. And I think they'll continue to develop and what's possible for the stars if they can really get some big totals. I mean, if they'd have both gone on in that game, you know, you're 100 after 10, the game looks like it could go any which way. So I think it's exciting to, to see what they can do. But nice that they've been able to have some contributions in the batters that sit underneath. And that's probably something that the Scorchers have lacked in some of the other teams is you want those middle order players coming in and being able to, to take it up and keep that run rate. Uh, so from a star's point of view, that's that's really, really good signs. Yeah, obviously, you know this team really well. What do you sense has changed in that in them from last year? Um, more in terms of their mood and that we know the personnel has changed. I think the kids are a year older and, and a, long, a year is a really long time for a young cricketer. And I think when you're seeing the likes of Annabelle Sutherland, Nick Fulton, you know, they're actually stepping up and taking lead roles. Alana King. They've got actually a group of young players that just they're another year developed and, and probably, you know, developing some of that game sense that's required. And all of a sudden you add in some really good international talent and you add in Meg Lanning as, as skipper and it gives them a really nice balance. So it looks to me like they're more willing to take the game on, play really brave cricket um, and probably feel really confident and backed at this point. And unfortunately, the Stars in previous tournaments haven't sort of been able to do that probably been a little bit too reliant on their kids to sort of play a bit more of a lead role at a time when they probably weren't ready to do so. For sure. And onto that that same match, Grace Harris got oh so close to stealing victory from the Stars with her unbeaten 81. Um, before the season, we st- spoke about how hard it would be for a team to pull themselves out of that sort of losing, if they're losing so many matches in quick succession. Do you think the defending champs, the Brisbane Heat, can pull themselves out of this pattern? I, I really do. I, I think they've got a really nice balance in their side. And sometimes it's it takes a bit of an out-of-the-box win, whether it's a really scrappy win or someone to play that outstanding innings, as Grace Harris did. I, I think they just need one win to get themselves going again. Um, they probably need a little bit more from, from that top order. They obviously moved Grace up the line. I thought that was a good decision to open the batting with her. And Jess Jonathan's been outstanding. You know, to take four for in a losing side, um, is is also really, really important. So I don't think they're far away. They probably just need to to get something to get them going. And I, I hope that it's a Grace Harris 100. I, I think everyone really wants to see that. Yeah, and they're coming up against the Strikers next weekend, um, who they, they lost to just a couple of days ago. What do you think, aside from a Grace Harris century, what else do you think needs to change in this side for them to, to really get going? I think maybe just that top order. I think the... At times, Redmayne's looked really good. I think Maddie Green showed some signs. I think when you have that opening partnership that really sort of kicks it off for you, it becomes easier for everyone else. I think you get that calmness in the dressing room. Players sort of go, okay, the game's going to flow for us really nicely here and we know what we need to do. Unfortunately, if you have early wickets or people sort of scratching around, it looks a bit difficult, then it tends to flow through your batting lineup. So I think if they can get some stability up the top, get a nice opening partnership going, and I think everyone else can come in and play their their role. And for that Brisbane Heat side, they've got so many dynamic batters in the middle. What they don't want to do is put pressure on those batters to have to play a long innings. So I think a bit of stability up top is going to do the job. And I think they still have a great bowling attack led by, by Jess Jonathan. So 
They've got some good spin options as well as some good pace options. So I don't think they're far away. Watch out for the heat. And another match we're pretty pumped about for next weekend is the two top teams, the Thunder and the Stars coming up against each other. Meg Lanning and Heather Knight have been probably the standout players of the tournament so far, and this should be a real test for the two teams. What do you think is going to be key for both sides to try and get that win? I think from a Stars point of view, it's just going to be nullifying Haynes and and Knight, I think they've been so, so good. And and they're such an interesting team because most teams are doing the damage up top with their opening partnerships, but the Thunder are doing it in the middle order. And they also have really good spin options. And I think their spin options for the Thunder are going to have to bowl really well to the Stars' top order. So if the Thunder spinners can get on top, it's going to go a long way to winning the game. And I think from a Stars' point of view, they want to get into Haynes and Knight early on and try and get that wicket. And I think they'll be able to blow them out of the water that way. Should be an epic clash. Beamsy, thank you as always for joining us on the Scoop podcast. The tournament's just getting more and more exciting. So we'll speak to you next week. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, as always, for joining us on this week's episode of The Scoop. So we've just ticked over the halfway point of the home and away season. All teams have played seven matches now, but the games are going to come thick and fast. We've got midweek action again this week. And then from Saturday, every team will play six games in the space of nine days to finish the the regular season. So it's going to be absolutely epic. Make sure you keep up with all the latest news on cricket.com.au and on social media via the WBBL channels and cricket.com.au. We'll chat to you next week. Healy's awake. Australia awake. Sit back and enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanning. This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner. Jonathan strikes again. She's on a hat-trick. She comes at Molyneux. Catch is taken by Perry. The Australian women's cricket team win their fifth T20 World Cup title in front of a magical crowd at the MCG. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.